And last but certainly not least, we want to invite up our lead pastor to give us a message this morning. Let's welcome Charles as he comes. Thank you. Thank you, Mike. Thank you, pastoral team. And thank you, kids. You guys were the stars today. Just wonderful. This brings smile to our face. Good to see you all. Merry Christmas. This is our Christmas service celebrating our Advent season, coming of Christ. Uh, one of the best known passages about the coming of Christ comes from John chapter 1. Let me just read it because it's just so powerful on its own. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. There came a man sent from God, whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify about the light, so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. There was the true light, which coming into the world enlightens every man, women, human beings. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own people, and those who were his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we saw his glory, glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified about him and cried out, saying, This was he of whom I said he who comes after me is more worthy than me. For he existed before me. For of his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth were realized through Jesus Christ. No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten God who is in the bosom of the Father, he has explained God. This is the testimony of John. When the Jews sent to him priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, who are you? And he confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. They asked him, what then? Are you Elijah? And he said, I am not. Are you the prophet? And he answered, no. Then they said to him, who are you? So that we may give the answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? He said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. As Isaiah the prophet said, prepare the way of the Lord. Very long passage, but beautiful, yes? Very powerful about the coming of Christ. So much to unpack there. But let me focus on one theme that runs throughout this passage. It begins with the verse, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. The passage builds on this theme of coming of Christ and how the world did not receive Christ or understand him. He was in the world, he says, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not recognize, know him. 
He came to God's own people, and those who were, who were his own did not receive him. So, so you see this passage builds on this theme. The darkness did not comprehend the light, the Christ. The world did not know him. God's own people did not receive him. Three different ways the passage emphasizes and builds on this theme of Christ being rejected. See that, right? Then the passage shifts and goes on to talk about John the Baptist. For quite a while, wouldn't you agree? Goes on and on about John the Baptist, which seems a bit out of place, right? Until he quotes Isaiah the prophet to explain who he is. He is the voice crying, prepare the way of the Lord. Now, it kind of makes sense why the passage would flow this way. The world did not recognize Christ. Darkness did not comprehend Christ. God's own people did not receive him. So, prepare. You know, don't be like that, right? Prepare your hearts. Prepare the way of the Lord so as to not reject, so as to be able to recognize, right, the light from God. Prepare your heart. The flow kind of makes sense now, doesn't it? That's the flow. Now, when we hear something like this, especially in church setting, John the Baptist preaching, prepare the way of the Lord, getting baptized, you know, preparing your heart, what comes to your mind is Repent, come to the light, straighten out your ways, get rid of the things in your life that are crooked, that get in the way of God, straighten up and come and receive Christ. Walk the line, acknowledge that you are a sinner, accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, resolve to follow Christ's way. So I think we have a graph to represent something like this. So, you know, if, if there are crooked things in us that get in the way of recognizing and receiving Christ, so straighten up, you know? Yeah. That's kind of the graphic representation of what we usually assume what the gospel is all about what repenting and baptism is all about. Wouldn't you agree? You've heard stuff like this. And yet, what does the passage actually say? John the Baptist quotes Isaiah the prophet as he cries out, prepare the way of the Lord. Make ready a highway for our God. Every valley must be lifted up and every mountain and hill made low. What is so interesting is this, about this is that this is not the right metaphor for what I just showed you. This is not the right metaphor for crooked things, if we can go back to that. Crooked things going to the straight line. If it were, <laughs> see, even the technology is crooked. It's not prepared to receive the light. It is not ready. It does not recognize what needs to happen. 
So I don't know if Kevin's around, but could uh, someone really get on fixing this? Because uh, there's graphs here that are critical for you to understand. <laughs> so Allison, is uh, Kevin around or? Hmm? Okay. Well, in the meanwhile, um, so prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight your crooked ways. That would be like this curve going straight. But instead, what we have is, oh, yeah, right? That's, that's what it's supposed to do. We are ready. We have been prepared. But what, we, what the passage says is that every valley must be lifted up and every mountain and hill made low. That's more like that crooked thing, that's more like it's turned around. That's not the right metaphor for this. It's more like it's turned. Right? Right? It's blowing your mind, at least the little kids. <laughs> what's high must come down, and what's low in the valley must come up. It's a different metaphor. And if that's what it takes to receive the light from God, then a mystery from the passage starts to make sense. Because if... Christ came preaching about straightening out the crooked ways, turning from evil to good. If that was what the light of God was all about, that's not something the whole world would have a hard time understanding. That's something the whole world would have a very easy time comprehending. Everybody talks about such stuff. Everybody understands the advantages of being the good guys. Even the people who commit horrific war crimes, they claim to be the good guys. I was watching a documentary on World War II. All these Nazis were talking about how they were the good guys. That's what they thought. And today, Israel and Hamas both claim to be the good guys. I, I mean, can't, right? everybody talks about being the good person, turning from evil to good, especially God's own people in church settings like us here, uh, we understand the importance of following God's laws, repenting, walking the line, walking the straight and narrow. We love that stuff. We drink that up. We hear and preach about that every week. If that's what Jesus came preaching, how on earth would we not understand that message and reject it. I mean, that's what we talk about every day. <laughs> we would have loved it. We would have accepted it without question. Yet, the light from God was rejected, the passage tells us. It was not understood. Even God's own people, church people, Bible-loving people could not understand and rejected it. It's a mystery. If it was the crooked getting straight, that would not have happened. But if the light of God was really all about what the passage actually says, which is every valley 
must be lifted up and every mountain and hill made low. If that is the gospel, then that is something the world does not understand. Because the world runs on hierarchy. Even God's own people, we love to categorize and rank people. Good people, bad people, faithful people, good Christians, infidels. We make all these categories, draw lines, and we lift some people high and we look down on others. So if that's the case, now it makes sense why and how God's own did not understand Christ and rejected the light from God. Because the message of Christ is all about agape love, unconditional love. That flattens us all. This is the gospel. The gospel makes nothing and everything out of all of us. This is the message of the gospel. It's very simple. God so agape loved the world that God saw each and every one of you as equivalent in worth to the life of God incarnate. That is a powerful declaration that humbles us. There is no high parts that we look up to, that we point to, that we can say, that's what makes me worthier. In light of God's incredible declaration that I am worth the life of God incarnate. It makes nothing out of everything that we look up and say, that's a, that's a high part. It humbles us. It makes nothing out of all those high parts that we are proud of, and it makes everything out of who you are, even the low parts. Amen. Amen. But this is something God's own people have a very hard time accepting and, and receiving because in our minds, good people are better, worth more. Christians are worth more than non-Christians. Worthless non-Christians go to hell. And there's hierarchy even in heaven and hell, like seven circles of hell, right? That's intuitive to the whole world because we all run on hierarchy. George Orwell said, we are all equal, but some are more equal than others, <laughs> right? <laughs> so this is crucial to understand. If there is one thing you can remember and take out of this sermon, this Christmas sermon, the light of the gospel that God's own people rejects is not about straightening out the crooked. It is not about this crooked line. There's a graph with crooked li Yes. <laughs> Very good. It is not about this. It is about that. Remember this image. Which one? are you going to live by? Which one is the central image of your mind as you try to grow in spirituality and Christian faith? Now, I'm not saying we shouldn't straighten out the crooked. That's a good thing. All I'm saying is that the uniqueness of the gospel, the light from God that gets rejected, is not about that because pretty much every religion and philosophy talks about straightening out the crooked. Nothing new there. Easy thing to understand. Who would reject such a message? But flattening out the highs and lows, that's hard to understand and receive. But if we can accept this gospel, it will bring us liberating humility. 
liberating humility. Last Sunday, Pastor Allison talked about extending unconditional grace to the parts of our lives that we don't like. That's one way of thinking about valleys being lifted up. What would, we f- what would it feel like if we were able to truly not be so obsessed about those low valleys? The other side of that coin is mountains and high hills. Because if we feel good and proud about those high parts that we like, then it is impossible not to stress out about the low parts. We will be compelled to increase the positives and minimize the negatives. That is not the way agape way of life. So the Christian discipleship, it's all about flattening it out. No longer obsessed. Be free from all those highs and lows. Now you might ask then, how do we motivate ourselves? How do we get better? Well, we do need to, but I am running out of time. So, (laughs) so much more to talk about this in, in terms of what this looks like in practice next year. But for now, let me just briefly mention what this might do to the crooked ways in practice. Because since I mentioned it, I want to show you how it really does address all these problems. So to represent the crooked ways, here are seven deadly sins. Pride, envy, wrath, boasting, at least according to Wikipedia, And we can trust Wikipedia, right? Seven deadly sins is something that the church has traditionally referred to as everything that's wrong with us. If we are truly leveled with liberating humility, why would we feel envious or prideful or feel like we have to have something so that we lust after it? We'll be free from those things. So you see, the light of the gospel goes to who we are, to the roots of the issues, and then ripples out to solve problems like our crooked ways. It's so much deeper than the surface behaviors. And that extends to all kinds of practical ways throughout our lives. So that's what I'm excited to talk about next year. We'll talk about the liberating humility of the gospel and what this flattening out really does as we prepare to receive Christ. So this Christmas season, as you end the year, reflect on this. Prepare the way of the Lord. Make ready a highway for our God. Every valley must be lifted up and every mountain and hill made low. Let's do this inside and out in the world. Amen? Amen. Let me pray for us. God, thank you for the gospel, the coming of Christ that humbles us with this declaration that you have come because you value us so much because of your agape love. Help us to receive this message of the light that is so difficult to receive because it is so counterintuitive. Help us just be open to it. Help us to be open to the gospel that can lift us out into liberating humility of the light.
from you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.